Hello and welcome to Live and Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for a time like this. I want to thank you, Lord. I invite you into this message. More of you and less of me. Speak through me. May it come with simplicity and with total power. In Jesus' name. Amen. So for the previous weeks, we've been talking about agreement, haven't we? Pastor Charles started on the topic of agreement, and I'm going to summarize on some of these things before I delve into the message. What is agreement? Harmony or accordance in opinion or feeling. A negotiated or typically literally binding agreement between two parties or more as a course of action. That's agreement. And Matthew... 18 verse 19. I hope you keep up with me today. (coughs) Hallelujah. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Hallelujah. And Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So we understand that the principle of agreement is quite powerful, amen? And the reason why agreement has so much power is because it's linked to our words. The power can be used for creating a godly atmosphere, as it says, or it can be the manifestation of creating an environment which is not good. So there are, there are two sides to agreement. You can either agree for good Or you make a decision to agree to do something which is bad. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Hallelujah. And the first instance... When I started to think about the term agreement, the first instances where you see agreement starts from the book of Genesis. Let us make man in our own image and likeness. First agreement, it worked quite powerfully, so much so that you are his masterpiece. Hallelujah, amen. (coughs) The second instance in the Bible where there was agreement is in Genesis 2.15. Can I have that? Oh, okay, you're ahead of me. Good, thank you. The Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And verse 16 reads, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat anything from this garden. But if if you eat anything, don't eat from this particular tree. I'm paraphrasing now because I can't see up here. Hallelujah. Or you will die. So the agreement is that, listen, there's so much in this Garden of Eden. Whatever you want to eat, eat it. But the condition is don't eat from this particular tree because the condition will be that you will surely die. Hallelujah. That was the first situation where God said, look, I'm coming into agreement with you, man. I've created you here to do my will. But if you break this, there will be a consequence. Hallelujah. And whenever, I want you to know this, church, whenever there is a a time 
the individuals come into agreement. There will always be someone who wants you to come into disagreement. There will always be an opportunity for you to come into disagreement with what you've already agreed. <laughs> Hallelujah. And in verse 24, we can see that the way that man created Adam and Eve was that they should live in unity. So, <laughs> it says that man shall leave his father and mother and be united with him, his wife. So, he's created an environment where there's an agreement among two parties, right? To live in one accord. That's agreement. And God wants us to understand the power of unity, not just in the relationships that we have with one another, but the ones that we have with him. The agreement to walk in harmony and one accord, this isn't just something that we do so complacently. It takes effort, it takes time, it takes investment, it takes commitment to do those things which he's asked for so that you may replicate that kind of relationship here on earth. So, as I said in the beginning, that whenever there's an opportunity for us to stand in agreement with God's word, guess what? There will always be an opportunity for what? To disagree. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 said, <coughs> here comes the serpent. And we know the story. We know the story of what happens, but I'm going to recap on it. Did God really say to you that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And what does she say in verse 2? The woman said to the serpent, we may not eat from the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from that fruit from the tree in the garden in the middle of the garden or you will sh or not touch it or you will surely die. So Adam has told Eve, right? There's an agreement, right? So she knows the conditions to which if she touches that fruit, what will happen? She knows. There was an agreement between God and there was also an agreement between Adam and Eve concerning this situation. And when we get to verse 6, it says, <clears throat> When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, it was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Why? Prior to her being in the Garden of Eden... There was no need. That, that middle tree, they were walking past it. <laughs> there was no reason for her to touch that tree. But because somebody had spoken a word to create division, she started to look at the tree differently. It was pleasing to her. <laughs> it became desirable, the word of God says. And she took some and ate it. But not only did she take some and eat it, she then what? Passed it to her husband, Adam. And what did he do? Despite the agreement, because in the beginning, God said to Adam, listen, son, have anything. You've named the animals. You've named everything. Just don't touch this thing. But despite that, because of a different perspective, which created division, he joined her and ate it. And the moment that they both ate that fruit, they began to disagree with God. 
they realized that they were naked. And they went to cover themselves. And when God was calling, calling, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? He couldn't come into the presence of God. Because he did what? He broke the disagreement. And he was starting to see the consequences of that. Amen? So he hid. Listen, it's so important to guard your heart, you know. (laughs) Don't agree with everything that is said concerning you. Because not everything that is said concerning you is in line with the word of God. And quite easily, you can step out of that place of agreement to disagreement. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, what should you do? Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. (laughs) To agree with the word of God requires commitment, as I said, focus. And it takes time. If you don't have the same vision, you walk in division. I'm going to say that again. If you don't have the same vision, you start to walk in division. The opposite of what God has called you to do. And God wants us to be a people that will come into total agreement of his word. So much so that we're here. We're in unity because we believe and we receive the word of God. There should be no room for compromise. How many of us have been in a position where somebody has said something that's not in line with the word of God to you and you believed it? And you know, you start to see the manifestation of that thing that you've agreed to. You're not capable of doing something. Now you start to feel that you're not capable of doing this thing. But God said that all things are possible through him, Christ Jesus, who strengthens us. So why are we now agreeing to to something that is not from God. Agreement, be careful on what you agree on. Hallelujah. And so the the Lord reminded me of the marriage ceremony. Oh my goodness. (laughs) When you get, even in preparation of getting married, (laughs) there is a process of coming to agreement, isn't it? The two families have to agree on so many things. Oh, the clothes, the art, this, the that, the that. And by the time you get to the altar, you and your, your fiancé or spouse, yes, thank you, <laughs> have agreed that we're going to say these vows here. But guess what? Even in the opportunity of you guys saying for sickness and health to death to us part, guess what? The congregation, are they not asked that, oh, is anyone here agree? Do they agree with that? That is the most awkward time in your wedding because you hear people jangling for mints and stuff like that. You don't know if somebody's going to say they disagree. Oh, yeah. It's the most awkward time. That silence, that, that two-minute silence, it feels like 10 minutes. For those of you who know, doesn't it feel like it's a long time? When they say, does anybody here, you're even thinking to yourself, if you disagree, go home. Uh, we've invited you here to agree with us. So why now would you do it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, but <laughs> it's very true. But the, the, my, my point is, is that <laughs> whenever there is an opportunity to agree to something, there will always be an opportunity for you to disagree with it. Very awkward. And I was trying to understand why, why in Malachi 2, 15 to 16, if we can take it there, please. 
<clears throat> Hallelujah. When we talk about divorce, I, 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 I was trying to understand why God hated divorce. I, w- I was really picking on that with God. Like, why is it that every time we hear divorce, it's like God hates divorce? But actually, what God is saying is, I dislike disagreement because with disagreement comes strife. And it no longer represents the unity that I have created marriage to be. And yes, there are times in marriage, yes, we disagree. You know, this, this phrase that keeps thrown around, we agree to disagree, almost. <laughs> we are, now I understand why. But the end result of disagreement is that there will be strife. And where there's strife, there's no unity. And that is not what God has designed our relationship to be like with him. It's not. Hallelujah. In order for your marriage to thrive, or in order for your relationships to thrive, he needs to be in the center of it. It sounds so simple, but the thing is, you need to invite him in daily. Because somebody else is wrestling to create division. Satan does not like unity. It doesn't do anything for him when we're united in the word of God. If anything, it just puts his plans to destruction. He's already been defeated, by the way. We need to be united, church. That is how God orchestrated it to be. Not to have division and backbiting. Hallelujah. Even in prayer of agreement, Matthews 18.20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Thus, God's presence is provided through the prayer of agreement. When you agree, there is a manifestation of power that comes from heaven. It's not my words. It's there in the Bible. Feel free to follow it up. It is. It's there. You start to walk in agreement. You start to change the atmosphere around you. Things cannot stand when you are of one mind and of one accord. Hallelujah. Nehemiah 8, 6 says, Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the, blessed, blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. While lifting up their hands, then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The fact that you said Amen <laughs> means you're in agreement. So shall it be is Amen. We need agreement to keep our relationship strong. Hallelujah. But also, as I said, whenever you make a decision to agree, you can also have an opportunity to disagree. And there is a couple in the Bible who made a decision to agree together, but that was for the wrong reasons. And what they weren't doing is they were agreeing amongst each other. They used the principle of agreeing amongst each other but they weren't agreeing with the word of God. Can we talk about it? Let's go to Acts 5.1. Ananias and Sephora. <laughs> you know why we know about them? 
Do you know why we know about them? Because they used the principle of agreement, but they didn't use the principle of agreeing with God. Let's go. Are we there? Are we there? Okay. Amen. My version says in uh, NIV, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sephora, also sold a piece of property. Verse 2 said, With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back a part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. (laughs) The person who orchestrated agreement, you're now going to come before his presence, the Holy Spirit, and say that this is how much I, I received from my property. God is not mocked. He's not deceived. He's orchestrated everything. And what happens in verse 5? When Peter speaks to him, can we go to verse 5? Thank you. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized with all who heard what had happened. God is not mocked. He's not mocked. Can we go into 6, please? Thank you. Then... Some young men came forward and wrapped his body up and carried him out and buried him. Next slide, please. Thank you. Seven. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? And she said, yes, that is the price please. Thank you. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband is at the door (laughs) and they will carry you out also. (laughs) Thank you. Verse 10. And at that moment, she fell down at her feet and died. Then the young men came in finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Did they not use agreement? Did they not agree to do something which is wrong? But was it in line with the word of God? So what happened to them? Death. Separation again. Absolutely. Be careful what you're agreeing with. (laughs) If it's not in line with the word of God, it's not for you. You are royal priesthoods. You are masterpiece. You are holy and righteous. He's called you to have that same relationship. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to round up soon. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, (coughs) Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Initially, when I read this scripture, uh, I was picking out, what, what is the training, God? For a lot of us, it's making sure our children meet our milestones, ensuring that they have education, ensuring that they're fed, ensuring that they know how to live without us. But the Holy Spirit reminded me that the most important thing that we can do is to show our children how to come in agreement with the word of God. And let me tell you why. In this environment now... There are a lot of words that are being thrown around in school, particularly regarding our children. And there needs to be something on the inside of them that when they hear a word that is contrary to the word of God, that will come up and say, I am not that person. 
So much so now, if you don't know, there is an opportunity for you to change your gender in school. You can be called by he if you want to. That is the initiative now. When you go and buy clothes for your children, it's non-gender. But hold on a minute. In the beginning, didn't God say he created Adam? Did he not create Eve? Did he not make a distinction? Come on, church. We've got work to do. Train them to know the word of God. Train them to come into agreement with what is being said regarding their life. And we also are responsible for what we speak over them. We don't want children to be fearful. We want them to be bold. And if we didn't agree, we wouldn't be wearing these t-shirts. We agree that we're masterpieces. So it's our responsibility to ensure that we speak the word of God that brings power, that changes circumstances over their lives. And that is a daily thing. I often wondered how, it, how Jews, their, their children at 13, are considered adults. There is a training process that takes place and we also are responsible for the training process that takes place concerning our children. At 13, I was only given a mobile phone to go to secondary school. How is it that they, they're considered an adult? How? Have you considered that? At 13, you're considered an adult. In, this, in today, you're considered an adult at 18. What kind of stringent training process is taking place? We have to take possession back over our children and start to manifest the word of God and start to be in line with it. How? 13 years old is when you just got a mobile phone to go and walk yourself to secondary school. Am I wrong or has it changed? I don't know. Yeah, more protection, more so. But an adult in the Jewish community, come on, the process must be very different to what we do then for them to be so responsible to be called an adult. It is our responsibility to train our children in line with the word of God. They're not supposed to be conformist. They're not. Their light is supposed to shine so brightly that it cannot be hidden. Regardless if the teacher says, no, you cannot do it. You know what? I would rather go to a parent's meeting meeting and hear that my child said oh <laughs> I said to them they can't do it they said to me they can't okay thank you they're speaking the word of God that's fine they said you said they can't we said we agree in this household that they can do all things I'd rather that because it's in line with his will not theirs Hallelujah. And so I want us to do something. I want us to stand up if we can. I'm going to put a scripture on there. And because I understand the importance of agreement, and I hope you do too, Ephesians 20 verse 10, we're wearing these t-shirts and I want us to say it together if we can. Is it on there? Thank you. Are we ready? Amen. For we are God's handiwork created in... Hallelujah. To do good works, which God prepared us. Amen. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Are we going to receive it? Are we going to walk in line with it? If you were blessed by today's message, 
why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.